This is a piece by a guy named Larry Taunton. Larry who? Never heard of her. What sort of a man is he? Pick from Bama. A man like any other, but more so. Well, I thought he was dead. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Let's light this candle. Welcome in to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. I am Amy Beth Shaver, and you are with Larry Taunton. Hello, sir. You're wearing the same thing you wore last week. I did. And you know what? I am proud of it because I'm 50. And at 50, I don't care anymore. Is, does Chris Shaver not buy you any, like... We are going shopping. I'll bet you are. We are going shopping <laughs> because you have two Did issues. you say we, like he goes with you? Well, this time he is because A... There must be something in it for him. <laughs> well, I'm going with him to look at an RV. And really? so the flip side of it is now you're like intrigued. I will tell now you. I am I'll tell you. At break, I want to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you at our break. In fact, we may opinions. just drive by. Um, but well, I'll, I'll go into the farm later. But anyway, so I said, okay, well, I'll go with you. And he said, would, would you like to stop by the outlets? And I'm like, what? Which ones? The ones in Leeds. Okay. The good ones. With J. Crew, Michael Kors, okay. and uh, Banana Republic, which obviously is where I frequent. But he's very good at picking out colors, and he has helped decorate our house. I'm famous for my color selection. You know what? Your color selection is outstanding. <laughs> I mean, we don't see orange in everything, or not know. I love <laughs> like orange. Like the bright red uh, couch that you wanted your mom to buy as a child. Just for for those who knew the show, it, I'm I'm colorblind. He's Totally colorblind. I'm attracted like a bull. <laughs> hey, but you can see snakes in the leaves, right? Yeah, Where other people miss it. I don't know. Apparently. So we're going shopping because I agreed to go look at RVs. At an RV. That's pretty cool. And they're uh they're out in that direct <clears throat> there's a huge RV place out that in way. In Aniston. That must be near where Starbucks. You're okay. Well, Send pics. I want to see what will. you get. I mean, because he wants one with the garage. Are in you it? doing like the class A type or the class B or? We probably will do the. Is the class B the one that he has to tow? Because we're going to leave it somewhere. Okay, so it's cameras. not a. It's you're not talking like a Greyhound we'll bus type situation. My dream is a Tiffin, but that would require me giving away or selling my kidney, you know, uh, giving away plasma, as Trump would say. I'm not willing to do that. So we, you can always enter the pharmaceutical industry. I could. I could. So Just push vaccinations. So we're You'll not be doing A and the Tiffin and or this other one that we love that is magnificent and has a Freightliner at the front. Oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. Um, no, we're doing... Those things are amazing. But we're doing the kind that we can leave somewhere, but with cameras and security and stuff. Gotcha. But we need it to have a garage so we can drive a little side-by-side in there. You see where he's going with all this. So So it's not um, going to be one that, that bam, Chris Shaver is going down the road like bam, this. Bam, bam, <laughs> oh, he would want to do that. And Turning. He, he thinks I'm going to go camping with him in this, but I, I'm not. I'm not. I've seen my, when my precious grandfather was alive, he had a huge Winnebago and we took a family trip. I was the only girl allowed to go you know on the Winnebago fishing. I caught the biggest fish that week. You're welcome. And with that giant steering wheel, I'm like, how are you guys even doing this? Yeah, there's a, this it's great. Awful. Having, having in a former life driven a semi. Uh, oh, that's right. A long you story. were a truck yes. driver. 
you sit in a chair, you know, seat that's a little <laughs> bit like this guy's it's spring loaded, so you bounce just a little bit. And um, yep, yep, so I see, had my CDL. I used to, I used to, know. used to drive one of those things, and uh, they're they're. You know, I was excited to drive it at first, and then it just became an annoyance because it was my job. But does that mean you're a really good driver because you had your CDL? You know, um, there there would be some some people would dispute that. I'm a fairly aggressive. Matt is going. I'm would, a I'm a fairly aggressive driver. Not? No, I I think I'm a skilled driver. But what I'm saying is is that I I'm I'm moving. <laughs> Okay, so and funny thing is, he's, car- he's over me? there. He's over there. Well, I don't know because I haven't ridden with you. We'll have to find out about that. My but kids would say, "Yes, I'm. I drive very fast." See, uh, he, he, see, when I was driving with him, because I know he's so sensitive and girly about this, I, I decided. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's holding NASCAR. up his uh, his NASCAR uh, jacket over there, uh, Mr. Daryl Waltrip um, over there. But the, you know. I was actually trying to be very restrained when he was driving with me, and yet he still he still feels like uh, I was uh, risking his life. But we, you and I have talked about this before because I would love to do the NASCAR yeah. know, experience. Yeah, you know I'm a bit of a petrol head in that sort of thing, and I sort of have always enjoyed speed. You know, so um, in, in fact, I have a a little video that. Um, horrified a few people because a buddy of mine, if he's listening, he's a regular listener to this show. His name's Brian, and Brian bought a BMW sixteen hundred uh, motorcycle, which is a sweet machine. Please don't tell Chris about that, Chris. No. And he, well, he had a little camera mount. He had a little place to. <laughs> he put, wants a motorcycle. He had a little place to put a camera mount on on it, as these nice, oh. you know, big bikes um, are. And I turned, you know, so so that you can navigate and whatnot. And I turned it towards the speedometer, and I took it for a ride. Oh my! Gosh. And I took it, you know, up to about 115 miles an hour. But it, it but you barely feel it at that speed. That so, makes my heart squeeze up. Ooh, it was so much fun. Well, it's in South Dakota where you can oh. you can see for uh, forever. It's like South Dakota is like the Great Salt Flats. Okay. You know, it's just you know you're just gonna go for miles. The, except, it's fine. except the real danger that you have there is. You know, of a pheasant or a deer or something coming in front of the road. Uh, seriously, that's a that's that's your primary concern. So you can see sometimes for miles and miles, and you think, okay, well, I can do this stretch of road here, no problem. But if a deer or a bird or something flies across the road, you know, you're you're in trouble. So hmm. anyway, all that said, but I do like I do like moving pretty fast today on the show. We have a very interesting um, show today because we have another guest. And the guest today, his name is Epstein. Now, it is not Jeffrey Epstein. It's Jeffrey Epstein is not speaking to us from, from Love Pedophile Island. He's not speaking to us from hell, where I'm sure he is. Rather, um, it, is, it is Dr. Robert Epstein, okay. former editor-in-chief of uh, Psychology Today, Harvard PhD researcher. He's going to tell us a little bit about himself, but um, Robert Epstein is a fascinating guy. I've written about him before because, uh, you know, listen, he voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. He's not a conservative. He's not a, he's, he's not a believer. He's not a Christian. Um, Robert Epstein is just a top-notch scholar, and he's going to explain to us how big tech is rigging the elections. We have people, you know, questioning that you and I would question the elections. Well, um, 
Robert Epstein's going to explain to us how they do that. And we we touched that on we we touched on this a few episodes ago, um, after the midterms, mm-hmm. where we were talking about how Google steers people through what are called ephemeral experiences. And they do this mainly through um, election results, uh, a search uh, results. But anyway, we, uh, we're, we're going to have him on the show, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's interesting. I can't wait to get to it, and I hope that all of our election-denying friends or people who think we're weird for asking <laughs> questions will tune in because that'll be fantastic. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Alex Taunton Show. Larry is my favorite player. Welcome back to the Larry Alex Taunton Show. We are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Robert Epstein. He is the former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. He's a senior research psychologist at the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. He's a PhD of Harvard University. He's published 15 books and more than 300 articles on AI and other topics. His 2019 congressional testimony on big tech's threat to to democracy uh, can be um, accessed on um, epsteintestimony.com. You can also learn more about him at mygoogleresearch.com. We are honored to have Dr. Robert Epstein on the show today. Doctor, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Uh, Dr. Epstein, it's, uh, it's good to see you again. And um, we, uh, <laughs> we, we have to get together as we plan to do now for the whole of the pandemic and beyond. But eventually that's going to, um, to happen. But, you know, I wanted to get you on the show because your research fascinates me. And I believe more and more people need to be hearing this and becoming familiar um, with with your research and what you're saying, but let's start just a little bit with your with your political background. You're you're not a big Trump supporter, are you? Uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a Trump supporter. In fact, I'm not even a conservative. Yeah. So, you know, all those accusations that would suggest that somehow you're part of some conservative cabal or some sort of conservative conspiracy, you voted for Hillary Clinton, did you not? Well, I supported her publicly. uh, And, uh, you know, I had been a supporter of, of Bill Clinton before that. I have on my wall here a signed letter from uh, Bill Clinton. So, uh, yeah, what, the work I do uh, has nothing to do with my politics. The work I, I do the work I do, and I speak out because I happen to love America, and I love uh, our system of government more than I love any particular party or candidate. And, um, and we're in complete agreement with you on that. Let's start with how you have demonstrated, and I think definitively, how Google is able to swing votes in an election. Explain to us what that looks like. How does that work? Well, let me call attention, first of all, to the phrase you used, that Google is able to swing votes. Uh, that's, that's an important phrase because, in a way, that refers to the basic research I've been doing now for 10 years, uh, which uh, uses randomized controlled experiments 
uh, to show the power that Google and other tech companies have to change not just votes, but opinions, attitudes, beliefs, purchases, uh, and votes too, of course. And that basic research uh, adheres to the very highest uh, standards of, of scientific rigor, and we present that work, those findings at scientific conferences, we publish in scientific journals, uh, and that's rock solid. So we, are, we have been showing over and over again uh, that Google and to a lesser extent other tech companies have, this, have these amazing new powers that the internet has made possible uh, to shift uh, opinions and votes on a massive scale, generally speaking, without anyone knowing that they're doing it, and using ephemeral experiences, meaning using these fleeting experiences that affect us, like search results, news feeds, uh, that uh, then they disappear and they're gone forever and they're not stored anywhere. So in other words, these companies have the power to use these new techniques and to use ephemeral experiences uh, strategically to sh change our thinking and our behavior and to change, unfortunately, the thinking and behavior of our children. Now, but that's still just half the story, which I'd have, be happy to tell you more about, because the other half of the story is, okay, how do you know they're actually doing these things? And so we ended up starting uh, in 2016 answering that question. So we have shown Number one, that these companies have these amazing powers. Number two, we've shown that they're using these amazing powers, and that's a, that's a separate body of work. Uh, that's not the basic research. That's what we call our, our, our monitoring systems. Walk our listeners through an ephemeral experience. You've mentioned search results and uh, advertising, things of this nature, but 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 give us a practical example that uh, people here are not really knowing what you're talking about. Well, sure. I mean, I just sent a letter to a senator who asked me uh, to tell him uh, about what we found in his state. I won't mention the state, but uh, using our monitoring system. And so, among other things, I told him that the up next videos that were being suggested on YouTube, uh, and of course I think we're all familiar with that, in the upper right hand uh, part of, this, of the YouTube screen, there's a video that's gonna play next uh, if we don't do anything. Even if we don't click on it, it's gonna play. And that uh, comes to us courtesy of uh, Google's up next algorithm, uh, YouTube is owned by Google. So what I told the senator was that uh, we had uh, captured a lot of those screens on YouTube to see what that algorithm was suggesting in the weeks leading up to the midterm elections in his state. And we found substantial uh, liberal bias in those uh, suggested videos. In fact, Going to moderates, 85% of those videos that were being suggested uh, were coming from liberal news sources, 85%. That's even higher than the percent of, uh, of, of liberal uh, videos that were being suggested to liberals. So that, but the thing is, that's an ephemeral experience. What does that mean? Well, you know, you 
you're watching a YouTube video, another one's being suggested, uh, maybe you let it play, um, and there's no record of that kept anywhere. So in other words, the up next suggestion has impacted you. Uh, you might even click on it because it looks really interesting. You might click on it yourself, not just let it autoplay. But the point is then uh, you move on to the next video and the next video, and then you move on to you know a different tab. The point is there's no record of that suggestion. It's an ephemeral experience. It's temporary, short-lived, comes, impacts you, disappears, gone forever. Now, why is that important? Because <laughs> that means that no one can go back in time and no authorities, no investigators can go back in time and see what videos were suggested to you or what search results you were being shown or what news feeds you were being shown and so on. And one thing that absolutely made my head spin was a leak of videos in 2018 from Google, excuse me, a leak of emails from Google that, that went to the uh, Wall Street Journal. And in these emails, uh, Google employees are discussing how can we use ephemeral experiences, that's the actual phrase they used, to change people's, yeah, it's their term, to change people's views about Trump's travel ban. Now, I, I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, I've been studying the power that these experiences have to change thinking and behavior since 2013. And here, five years later, I'm having it confirmed that internally they talk ex about those kinds of experiences and how they can use them to manipulate people. As I recall, and this is, you know, from a lecture that I attended and where the two of us met uh, in D.C. and uh, I believe it was October of uh, 2019, uh, you, you had said at that time that 60% that of search, the, the things that people, when, when people are doing a search uh, and they're, they're typing into uh, the Google, you know, search engine, 60% of the time, it doesn't result in an actual click. It doesn't result in an actual search because the auto-suggestions give them the answer. Whether or not it's true or not, it's, the, it's what they think to be the answer. So they're typing in the question, and I believe this was your example. Was Abraham Lincoln a Republican? And the answer comes up on Google as union party, which is very deceptive. Mm -hmm. And when you go over to Bing and you type in the same thing, it says, yes, he, he was a Republican. But that what Dr. Epstein is saying here is that even in the auto suggestions, they're redirecting you and they're leading you away, often very deceptively, from the real answer because they have the power to alter the answers in the way people perceive the, the very questions. Is, is that an accurate assessment? Yes, but I want to just break it down a little bit more because uh, when you start to type a search, uh, search term, so you type the letter A, for example, and you're looking for aardvarks, uh, Google immediately flashes some suggestions at you. So uh, right away, they're, they're manipulating you literally from the first letter that you type. And in fact, if you type the letter A, uh, there's a good chance that you're going to see uh, uh, maybe four or five suggestions, maybe more, 
but that the first, out of the first five, two or three or four or five of them will be to Amazon. So they're trying to push you in a certain direction. Why Amazon? Well, Amazon is Google's biggest advertiser. So there's a business connection there. But the point is, as you, as you continue to type your search term, if you do, and uh, you know, that is if you don't actually click on one of their suggestions, the, the page below will populate with search results, of course, but also with what are called answer boxes. And it's in those boxes that they sometimes just give you the answer. And that is, that's very dangerous. We've done research on this. And that's where you might get a box that says that, uh, no, you know, Lincoln wasn't a Republican. He was a member of the Union Party. Very often, they'll just give you that answer in the answer box. And we know that when they give you an answer box, uh, very often people don't go any further. They just assume that that is correct, that that's true, and that's that. So people will believe and be guided by search suggestions, by answer boxes, and by high-ranking search results. So that's three shots Google has at you just just because you're typing a search term, three shots they've got uh, to impact you. And all three of those, the search suggestions, the answer boxes, and the search results, they're all ephemeral, which means they're the perfect tools for manipulating people because, again, unless someone like me is actually monitoring this stuff, is actually preserving it, it normally just disappears. Wow. So here's the question, though they were manipulating during the elections, I'm listening to this and you feel a little hopeless. What, what if any, hope is there to get us out of this? Is it to switch search engines? Is it, uh, what, what is it? What are your suggestions? Well, first, you know, I have to point out here that we have been monitoring so we started small in 2016. We got we set up a bigger, more aggressive system in 2018, bigger still in 2020. And this year, we were monitoring content being sent to, uh, to registered voters through the computers of 2,742 registered voters, uh, a roughly even mix of moderates, liber liberals, and conservatives, mainly in swing states. So we were, we were capturing uh, search results and answer boxes and search suggestions and YouTube tweets and Facebook content and so on and so forth. And, you know, are based on our preliminary analysis of this massive amount of data, over 2.5 million ephemeral experiences uh, we preserved, we're already seeing substantial bias in the content that was being shown to voters. Uh, in all, all three flavors. I mean, there's substantial bias going to, to everybody, and it's all in the same direction. It's all in the liberal direction. Now, even though I lean in that direction, I'm still, I feel the need to expose this. So to answer your question now more directly, how could we stop this? Well, I've, I've put forth several suggestions over the years, but I've become convinced that the best way to stop it is with sunlight. You may, you may remember an old quote from uh, Supreme Court Justice Brandeis, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Well, that's what our monitoring systems are. They, they're sunlight. They, sh they shine the light on these manipulations and they preserve 
the ephemeral content so that it can be analyzed. And uh, in 2020, uh, when we pointed out what we were seeing to, uh, to Senator Cruz's office, uh, Cruz and two other senators <clears throat> sent a, um, a very intimidating letter to the CEO of Google. So this was immediately after the 2020 presidential election. This was on November 5th. And Google shut down all of their manipulations in the Georgia Senate runoffs, which followed the presidential election. And how do we know they shut down all of their manipulations? Because we were monitoring. We had, we had more than 1,000, we call them field agents in Georgia. We were monitoring content sent by the tech companies to voters through more than 1,000 computers. And they just literally turned off all the manipulations. So that's what we're aiming for now, is to build a nationwide monitoring system. Uh, we're calling it a digital shield in all 50 states uh, that will 24 hours a day, not just in the days leading up to elections, but 24 hours a day year round, will be looking for any kind of manipulations, bias, any irregularities, any shenanigans, and we will report those on an ongoing basis to uh, Larry Alex Taunton and to uh, other journalists and to members of Congress, to attorneys general, to uh, everyone who could possibly have an interest. And we think that we will get them to stop. And we're, by the way, expanding the system right now for the first time, adding the computers that are being used by children. This is without spying on anyone, by the way, because when the content comes to us, it comes to us without any identifying information. We just look at aggregated data, uh, not individual data, which is what Google does. Uh, they, they, they look at individual data because that's how they make their money. That's how they, that's how they uh, you know, they take the personal data and basically turn it into cash. We don't do that at all. So we think that's, that's the key here, is a, a, this national system, which we will have fully in place by the end of 2023, and I think that that will keep these companies away from our elections, away from our democracy, and more important, away from our children for many, many years to come. Dr. Epstein, how many votes are we talking about them having the power to swing in, let's say, the most recent election or in the 2020 election? Mm -hmm. what, what numbers are we looking at here? Well, in the 2020 election, we calculated based on the level of bias we saw in the content we preserved and based on the experiments that we've been running uh, now for since 2013, uh, that that level of bias, had it been present nationwide for several months before the presidential election, would have shifted more than 6 million votes to uh, Joe Biden, whom I supported. Uh, <clears throat> In other words, if, if you could have gotten Google and these other companies to take their thumb off the scale, it, it suggests that the popular vote uh, would have been almost a, a tie, a dead tie, uh, as opposed to what we, we did find, of course, uh, which was that Biden was ahead by, I think, close to 7 million votes. And I think most of that uh, can be attributed to, to the, the thumb on the scale, the support uh, that Biden was getting uh, from Google and other companies. So 
2022, the number I'm going to give you sounds impossible, but just give me a chance. 2022 is not a national election, so that there, there are hundreds, actually thousands of elections throughout the country. And here again, we have found substantial liberal bias on Google, uh, much less on Bing, uh, a substantial liberal bias on, on YouTube. Uh, we have found uh, some evidence of uh, targeted go vote reminders on Google's homepage. That's an extremely brazen, extremely dangerous manipulation where you send out more of those go vote reminders to the party you support than to the other party. That's very dangerous. And we have some evidence uh, that that was occurring uh, in 2022 as it did in 2020. But all told, all that together, if, if that was being shown to people nationwide, would have shifted roughly 80 million votes to liberal candidates around the country. Now, that's across, you know, again, hundreds and hundreds of elections, uh, but it still adds up to a lot of votes. And in close elections, that would, that would flip the outcome uh, over and over again. Wow. Um, Dr. Epstein, this, this next question, uh, you can, uh, uh, you can, <laughs> you know, choose to, ignore or answer, but I just, what kind of reaction have you gotten from Google? I just have to believe that Google has not appreciated your work. Well, for me, that's a kind of a touchy subject uh, because uh, I haven't gotten much in the way of direct answers, but I've, I've received warnings. I've gotten warnings over the years um, and, uh, and some, and some, some terrible things have happened. And, I don't know, uh, I, I have no evidence that these terrible things are connected uh, to Google, but on the other hand, I don't know. I can't, I can't rule it out either. So quick example, in 2019, this was after I testified before Congress, which is when I started to feel the pressure. Uh, <clears throat> uh, President Trump tweeted about some of my research, Hillary Clinton, responded by saying that my research had been debunked and was based on data from 21 undecided voters. Absolutely, both of those uh, notions are completely false. I suddenly got attacked in the media. Uh, that summer, I also gave a, uh, a private briefing to a group of attorneys general. And after the briefing, one of these folks came out into the hall and said to me, Dr. Epson, I don't mean to scare you, but I think you're going to be killed in some sort of accident in the next few months. And uh, obviously, I'm still here, so I wasn't killed in the next few months in an accident, but my wife was. So, uh, and there were some suspicious aspects to, you know, what happened uh, to her. And, um, you know, I still haven't, uh, recovered from that. And, you know, I've had, again, I've had other warnings. And then just a few months ago, our wonderful managing director, uh, was walking in downtown San Diego, broad daylight, two in the afternoon on a Saturday with her very handsome husband. And a man came up out of the blue, uh, pulled out a knife, slashed her husband from his ear to his mouth, and uh, then looked at her and laughed and ran away. Uh, 
Now, again, this almost certainly has nothing uh, to do with uh, tech companies, but you know, in Michelle's mind, it, it was a possibility, and she lasted, I think, another two months. And uh, I don't blame her for kind of running away. I don't blame her at all. So, uh, you know, have I heard directly from Google? No, I've tried communicating with people there, including a, an old friend of mine who now won't, won't even talk to me, neither will his wife. Uh, have I heard indirectly from Google? Maybe. But they have tried to portray you as a crackpot, have they not? Well, the at one point, the head of search at Google published an article in Politico, which I often send people to, uh, trying to label me as a conspiracy therapist, a theorist rather, uh, which of course is ludicrous beyond belief because I'm actually just a hardcore researcher. I'm just sharing the results of my research. I'm the farthest thing from a conspiracy theorist one, one can imagine. And, uh, and, and he didn't in any way uh, attack any of my research, which was interesting. You see, you can, even when the CEO of Google in testifying before Congress said, well, we take issue with Dr. Epstein's methodology. He didn't say how, and no one ever has. No, that's not, that's the way this and, works. Yeah. Right. It's just, uh, I've been through it personally. It is just um, to, um, to name call, uh, to try to characterize you, mischaracterize you as something other than than what you really are and never actually dealing with the facts of what it is that you've actually said. You know, I, I, I know that you're, um, you're not a Protestant, you're not a, you're, you're not a Christian, as I recall, but you will know this bit of history. You know, uh, Martin Luther said that when he arrived at the Diet of Worms, he was, came prepared to discuss the books he had written. And he said he got there and they said, did you write these books? And he said, I did. And they said, you're a heretic. <laughs> and then, and then he was dismissed. And he said, I had come prepared to actually discuss the merits of my own arguments. And they weren't interested in just doing that. And they're not interested in doing that with you. They just simply want to dismiss it. But talk about some of the places where you've been, you've been on Tucker Carlson discussing this. Where else have you, uh, have you put this information out? Well, I had been putting it out up until 2019. I had been putting it out pretty much everywhere. So I wrote pieces for U.S. News and World Report, for example, a very important piece, which is called thenewcensorship.com. I'm sorry, it's called The New Censorship, but you can access it uh, at thenewcensorship.com. I wrote for USA Today uh, about, you know, uh, the power that these companies have for Time Magazine. I wrote for everybody, but starting in 2019 when I... I got crushed by Hillary Clinton uh, and the New York Times and, and the, the so-called Clinton machine, which I had thought was a myth up until that time. Uh, I, can only, I can only talk to and publish in uh, uh, what I call lovingly right-wing conservative nutcase uh, platforms. <laughs> um, we'll embrace that label. <laughs> right, right. And... Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I've made some wonderful friends, including, including you, but, uh, it's terribly frustrating. So yes, I can, I can go on Glenn Beck. I can go on Mark Levin. Uh, Tucker recently ran a, uh, a full hour interview with me, which is pretty unusual for him to do. And, uh, and, and we text each other. Um, I was on Joe Rogan's show, uh, earlier this year. So, you know, 
but it's terribly frustrating because there are people among my friends and even in my family now who uh, who are very upset with me. Uh, and, 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 and as I said before, all I'm doing is what all Americans should do. I'm just putting the country, America, and our system of government and our children, I'm putting all of that ahead of any particular party or candidate. And I'm just sharing the findings of data, which, which we collect using extremely rigorous uh, objective methods in which we analyze, again, using very rigorous uh, statistical and scientific methods. So it's, it's so frustrating for me. Um, I, I'm not going to stop. Well, but, but I, listen, the thing that, that, that really appealed to me about you uh, is, you know, I heard you in this, uh, this gala, this, this, this big event uh, in, in D.C., I believe it was for the American Spectator. And uh, you said from the stage a number of things that I thought were, I won't say that I thought they were outrageous claims. I was thinking these are, these are remarkable claims if he can't substantiate them. And when I began to dig into your research, I decided I think he's substantiated them. These are, this is, this is good, solid research. And I don't demand, in fact, in, in a lot of ways, I prefer someone, someone such as yourself. I don't demand that somebody, you know, agrees with me ideologically. I demand that they be honest in their research. And, and as you and I both know, a lot of researchers, whether it's to write a book or it's for some scientific endeavor, they begin with a conclusion and they work back from it. And they discard any evidence that is contrary to the conclusion that, that they're all priori assumptions. And that's not what you've done. You have allowed your evidence to dictate your conclusions. And it didn't matter to you whose political ox got gored in the process, in this case, to some extent, your own. Uh, and thus, you were you were honest enough to publish that and to keep pounding that. And I, for one, am, am very grateful for that because I, I really appreciate your integrity in your research. You have a high degree of integrity in your research. And I trust your research. I trust your opinions. Now, I may, may disagree with you. I don't know why you'd vote for a nutcase like, you know, Joe Biden, but that's a separate, a separate discussion from your research here. A couple of things he said from the stage that night. I went back and looked at my notes from that night before <laughs> this interview, Amy Beth. And one of the things he said, and he hammered it home that evening, is here's a crowd of Trump voters. You know, there I don't know how many people were in that room. We'll say 2,000 people. And um, Dr. Epstein said, if you think that a conservative can win that would be in 2020 under the current um, electoral uh, uh, paradigm, you are kidding yourself. It's not going to happen. Now, he said that it, prior to the election, wow. he proved to be 100% right. Another thing he said is if you've been using Google for 20 years, which most of you in here have, Google has roughly 3 million pages of information about you. And Google's only product, I'm quoting him here, Google's only product is you. They, they gather information on you and they sell you. And I was fascinated by that wow. because I've never been a, a, mainly because some of the tech circles, you know, that I've interacted with, 
they've been anti-Google guys and they would always say, hey, you know, don't use Google. But they, I never drilled down into that. So I have not been a, a big Google fan. I don't use Google. I don't use Google Chrome. Um, I don't have an account with Facebook, you know, I, or excuse me, um, what's it called? YouTube. YouTube. I stay away from all that stuff as much as I can. However, he was sharing some of the details of what this actually practically looks like. And I, I found it quite jarring. Well, it's jarring to do. It's jarring to do the research. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, we, we get numbers here almost every day that, are sometimes are just they're 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 unbelievable in fact i had some some film crew here from i think npr and i and i didn't realize it but they had come here to do a hit piece on me and uh the of course and, uh, <laughs> the, the first, i did i didn't know i'm very naive about such things and the first thing the uh the host said to me was well uh you know these numbers of yours uh they're very hard to believe don't you think and i said hard to believe? I said, no. I said, they're completely unbelievable. I think you're understating the problem. I said, and so, you know, I'm very skeptical about these numbers that we keep getting. And that's why we do things over and over and over again. And that's why we, you know, we've uh, published and, uh, you know, so that other people have a chance to replicate our findings, which has happened again and again. I said, so, no, you're understating the problem. Well, that shook him so much that uh, even though he finished up the interview, uh, they never they never ran it. I was going to say, because, I bet they never ran it. Mm. Uh, we did a debate some years it. ago on Charlie Rose that they never aired. <laughs> yeah, they, he, he was trying to catch me with my pants down. And, you know, my pants, you know, I use very strong belt to keep my pants up. So, uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's very frustrating. It's 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 terribly frustrating. But we do we do uh, wonderful research that's exciting as can be. I mean, even just yesterday we were looking at numbers. Even today, come come to think of it, I've already seen some numbers this morning uh, that that are disturbing. They're disturbing, exciting, and disturbing, and a little scary. I, I would say that's how to summarize it. We want to respect your time, and I know you got to get out of here. But uh, a quick question for you, if you're willing to to share it with us. Um, first of all, um, you know how big's your team? Is this is this a little group of people? Do you have thousands of people who are doing this work? Second thing is, it would seem to me that'd be pretty tough to find researchers that have your same level of integrity in research. I mean, I move in a fairly academic world, and in, you know, increasingly, I find. Uh, I, I'm just speaking of the social sciences that almost nobody uh, is really allowing their research to demonstrate, you know, to, 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 to demonstrate what their thesis is. And um, so how are you finding the people, you know, who are working for you? Well, they usually find us. Uh, that's very tricky, though, because, you know, the people who find us, we have to vet very carefully because, uh, because Google has sent us people, which is exactly what I would do if I were Google. I would send people to Epstein every day of the week. So we have to be very, uh, very careful. Um, the, the core team is pretty small, six or seven people. Uh, then we have the monitoring team that's much larger. But the monitoring team, they operate uh, in a location that, where that I've never even been. So they're, you know, I, I, I stay arm's length from them, but that's a much bigger group. And um, 
it's it's hard. It's hard for us. Uh, <clears throat> well, as I say, we have to be very careful about who we take on. So we have we do have people all the time volunteering to come here, and I do have students who work as interns who come from all over the world to work with me, and uh, most of them don't even get paid. Um, so there's there's a certain love here for the work that we do, but yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge being able to find the right people, trust the right people, uh, and we're we we do our best. Uh, we, we remember too that we repeat our procedures over and over again. So we're before we let something out the door, you know, we're 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 sure of it. And which, by the way, uh, brings me to uh, a, a, a link that I hope your, your viewers will check out. Uh, there's a new piece I just published in the Epoch Times, which is called How Google uh, Stopped the Red Wave. And you can access that, that at um, themidtermswererigged.com. I thought that would be memorable, themidtermswererigged.com. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'll uh, take you to the uh, yeah the Epoch Times, and 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 one last thing: if people want to know more about my work and and to support my work, uh, or to link me up with people who can support my work, then they should go to mygoogleresearch.com. Mygoogleresearch.com. We will be delighted oh. to do that. And if you have anybody that Privacy. you know, there we go. Yes. And if you uh, have anybody over there who will support my work, um, please send them this way. <laughs> okay, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people want to know how to get more privacy for themselves and their families, then they should go to an article I wrote, which is at myprivacytips.com. So a whole bunch of links here I'm throwing out, but I really do want to connect with people and help people. Um, I can tell you, though, that if out of the blue one of your viewers says, we want, I want to help you, uh, we're, we're very skeptical about those, those offers because, again, Google has sent us people. I believe it. And when we're, um, pardon me, uh, when we're done here, hang on with us through the break and uh, we'll discuss you sending me some of those links and so on. And uh, we'll make sure that they get up with this. Absolutely. We'll put them in show notes because I know people will be very interested in the articles and uh, in the tips for their family. But Dr. Epstein, thank you so much for being on our show today. It's an honor. Thank you for your work. You are uh, very brave and uh, we Can appreciate you. Can we call you a patriot? You. Are we allowed to call you a patriot? Or is that? that too Trumpy for you? Well, look, I'm wearing my conservative disguise. You see the pin here? <laughs> Perfect. That's Perfect. Next time you just wear the MAGA hat and no one will suspect you. Absolutely of a... <laughs> no one. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Turn out the lights. The party's over. They say that all. Ladies and gentlemen. We are grateful for the standing ovation, but there will be no encore for today's performance. Please exit the building in an orderly fashion. Thank you. Honey, can we leave now?